Welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at ReliableTechHelp.com. That's ReliableTechTechHelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder. Here at the Respect the Math podcast, we talk about everything from technology to business, science, popular culture, and more. Basically, the things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Look us up, interact with us, and we look forward to hearing from you. Today, our guest is Joel Gertis. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Happy to have you. Tell us more about yourself. Gosh, you know, I've lived in Louisville probably since 1980, moved here from Kansas with my folks, and uh, went to school here, went to school here in the state for uh, advanced you know, education and uh but lived in louisville most of my life and uh so live in middletown uh have a ministry uh but i've like one of those guys that some people know that's like a jack of all trades but master of none uh, I so di- i would d- disagree with that <laughs> i've done a ton of things in my life uh that have spanned uh live music business owner digital marketing uh ministry uh, within like the Christian church and things of that nature. Yeah, weren't you doing some contracting at some point too, like carpentry or remodeling or something? All sorts. I had yeah. well, that small business owner thing was the. I had a remodeling stint where I was actually doing live music uh, for about five or six years while we were recording an album. Like, what am I going to do to make music or make money? Yeah. And so, some friends hired me to do some handyman work. That snowballed into, hey, do you know how to build a deck? And I would say, yeah, I know how to build a deck. And I'd go to home, or I'd go to uh, Barnes and Noble, and read a book, (laughs) and I'd just read a book, and then I could do it. So if I could see it, I can do it. Yeah, there's many reasons why I've admired you for a long time. Uh, We went to the same high school, Jaytown High School, right? That's right. I'm 97. Were you 95? I was 93. 93. Okay. Yeah. So we were almost contemporaries. Um, you're an amazing musician, one of the kindest people I've ever known. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've always admired you. You got me into, um, I think we met around 97, 98 when I started going to Southeast Christian Church with yep. Dave, Dave Batts, mm-hmm. and uh, you were a big part of that, and, and um, the music that you played and uh, the passion that you had for people and for caring for people, uh, and obviously your ministry and your faith always always inspired me. And you're the, you're the main reason that I got into wanting to learn how to play guitar and learn more about music. So That's really cool. So thank you for that. That's yeah. awesome. And we've known each other for a long time. Um, you went to Western Kentucky, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And yep. you got a degree in? Uh, so my it was interesting. I, I started out as a double major with uh, religion and philosophy. And then after we got into the like the metaphysics stuff, I was like, I don't have time for this to yeah. argue whether or not we're actually here. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just didn't appeal to me. So I was like, I loved uh, some of the professors within the philosophy department. But I was like, I need to switch. So I ended up doing religious studies, but it I had to pick up a minor to complete my degree and picked up geography just because I like places. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know the philosophy part because that's, that's what my degree yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It takes I couldn't a- hang with it, though. <laughs> well, I think I think intellectually you easily could have, but you didn't you didn't see the practical application sure, when it right. came to devoting all these hours and money to, towards <laughs> arguing right. whether this microphone actually exists. Is it or really not. here, or right. is it just because I'm thinking it? it right. Is. Yeah. It, Collective I, consciousness. I think, right. I think, therefore, it is that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it takes weirdos like me to see that through and actually get a degree <laughs> in right. philosophy. Um, but uh, I've recently become reacquainted with the philosophy department at U of L. Oh, cool. I donated them some money. 
um, they got me on some type of a email list for alumni and hit me up for some money and I was happy to do it. Yeah. And you would have think I hung the moon because, uh, the chair of the department, well, he was the interim chair at the time. They've got a new chair now, but he was so impressed and told me all the things that this, what I thought was a fairly small donation was going to do for the department. And so now I've had lunch with the new chair, the previous interim chair and another professor, and I'm going to be involved. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we might even work out an internship at uh, Reliable Tech Help with some of the students that are looking beyond their philosophy education, maybe going to business, entrepreneurship or, or technology, Yeah, which is very exciting. So That's awesome. Yeah, I got off on a bit of a tangent there. Um, but uh, the main reason you're here today is to talk about uh, worship fully. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, it was, you know, the past uh, 10 years of my life were largely dedicated to like digital marketing. I worked for an agency for about seven years, and then I worked uh, exclusively for two gentlemen that started a leadership platform, uh, and I was with them for about three years. And it's fun because I got to meet with like, you know, C-level people and Fortune 500 companies, and I'm like... I told you I had been building decks, you know, five years prior to that digital marketing run. So I'm like, I'm scratching my head, like, how did I get here? Like, sometimes, you know, life just kind of throws curveballs. But if yeah. you just go with it, you're like, I have no idea how I got here because I'm sitting down and doing interviews. I told you, like, with Tom Brady and uh, just really interesting uh, corporate people, too, like Jamie Dimon and Indra Nui. And, yeah. Uh, but I was like, I knew it was time to uh, make a shift. You know, not everybody has this intuition inside of them. Um, well, let me correct that. I think everybody has this intuition inside of them. Not everybody's tuned into it right. in the way where they're like, okay, I feel like uh, some people may call it the universe leading them. I call it God leading me. But moving you to, there's a thing that you're made to do. And uh, you're trying to align to it with the right timing with the right people. Sometimes we try to do things too soon. It wasn't the season for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew it was the season for me to jump out of what I had been doing with uh, podcasting and uh, digital marketing and uh, that chapter of my life. It was time to move into this new thing. This new thing was basically me starting a ministry called Worship Fully. And uh, you can go to worshipfully.org if you want to learn more about my ministry, uh, if we don't cover it here today. But... Uh, it was big leap of faith, you know, let's, you know, entrepreneurs, same thing, big leap of faith. You're like, I think I can do this thing. But even for me, I didn't even know what it was when I started, which is very strange. There's the story of, in Genesis in the Bible about this guy named Abraham and God taps him on the shoulders. Like, basically, you're going to be my guy. I'm going to you know, like do amazing things through you. And he has this phrase in there. It says, go to the land. I will show you. <laughs> and it's just like, that's what it felt like. You're like, go to the land, I will show you. So I didn't even have a plan yeah. going into this. It was just a leap of faith, quit my job. And intuition. Intuition. And uh, didn't even know how income would come uh, my way. And so instead of trying to figure it out, I was just kind of, I felt like I was supposed to relax, wait, just kind of see how things shaked out. I'd been really impacted years before around some uh, teaching, around meditation, around and around prayer, about uh, teaching people just how to connect more intimately with God. So I was like, obviously, that impacted me. I can teach that stuff. But I think whatever this thing is going, this, this entity, this organization, this nonprofit that I felt like I was supposed to start, I feel like it's going to be a year or two before I know what it is. And it was true. It took me about a year to 
stumble upon some uh, teaching, some content that absolutely transformed my life around uh, what in the church, Christian church they call sonship, which is uh, when you know God sent Jesus to die on a cross for, for people's sins. Uh, a lot of the Christian church has this belief that it means... Uh, it's just debt repayment, like there's some sort of debt, we call that sin, and that, that had to be canceled out. But that's where a lot of the church stops. They stop right there, and they're, they don't understand that like uh, what is often relayed in Scripture in the New Testament where it talks about you're, you're invited into this thing called sonship. So sonship is the person of Christ being added to you, not just your debt erased, but then the whole person of who he is in character, uh, nature, qualitatively who he is, the relationship that Jesus had with uh, the Father, we have with the Father. Church doesn't usually teach that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm making it my mission to make sure people know, hey, do you know you can actually be his son? It's literal, it's not figurative. Give us a reference point there. So when you say the church doesn't teach that, true, uh, contemporary modern Christianity in the Western world, is that what you're referring to as the church? Or? T- typically, okay. yeah. And I'm not saying that they don't teach it at all. They just don't teach it to the uh, degree that I'm like, we have to move from a figurative um mindset into a literal mindset less metaphorical and more it's less metaphoric practical it's more practical do yeah. you actually expect him to come through for you like a real dad like a you real father you mentioned the term sonship i'm i guess i'm assuming that's s o n s yeah s o n that's okay. right yeah. s o n yeah and so that came to you give us a timeline you you quit your job and started this on a on an intuition <laughs> september of 3 uh 3 and a half years ago okay so we're yeah. talking 2018 2019 that's right okay. yeah so uh, this coming september will be 4 years okay and do you integrate any of your uh, musicianship and your yeah i do so like part of what i feel like my why i'm on this planet <laughs> is to to make music uh and <clears throat> I'm discovering more about that even now. I feel like it's not just uh, what people would consider faith genre music. Mm -hmm. It's like anything. It's like if it's inside of you, get it out, put it out, and there's something that uh, God has on that. Why pigeonhole it and label it this or that? Just express yourself in in the form that you find most appropriate and just let let other people label it, right? Yeah, and let them let it. Uh, you know, you hear artists and songwriters say this all the time. Uh, they don't like to talk too much about what their songs mean yeah. because they mean so much to the people that have heard them, and it has nothing to do with the the no, initial like yeah. uh, reason why an artist created it in the first place. Yeah. And so, like, you know, you'll hear stories from, like, Bruce Springsteen or Bono or any of these, you know, well-known singer-songwriters sure. or bands. And uh, a lot of those songs have become soundtracks for people's healing you know, yeah. in life. Yeah. Or I like lost it, 40 pounds running on the I, treadmill. Yeah, I run, to, lost yeah. 40 pounds. Or I was suicidal and I didn't because I heard this song. Like, yeah. like Collective Soul had that one song where it's like, I step to the edge, I see the world below. I can't oh, remember. Yeah. Uh, and the world I know. The world I know. And yeah. it's like how many people heard that song? Huh. Yeah, or or runaway. I've heard it. Never even yeah. thought about it like that. Yeah, and it's like uh, I know a lot of people's lives have been changed just by music that they hear just every day on any sort of radio station. You know. Yeah, and I would assume any genre. I would assume you've impacted people's lives too through your music. As I well. have. Yeah, and it's awesome when you get to hear those stories. Yeah, and you get some of that feedback because it really does. Like, oh, this is 
there's purpose behind this. It's not just uh, novelty or ego, yeah. you know, or just me kind of putting some stuff out there because I want to be seen. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's, it's being used in a way that I could not have predicted. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, it's definitely part of this new iteration that God's got me in right now as far as uh, my ministry. And it can I, mean different things to different people, right? That's right. Yeah, that's great. Yep. So um, how do we interact with Worship Fully? It's worshipfully.org. That's right, worshipfully.org. Um, I have joelgertis.com. It's basically a mirror site, and it hasn't been updated in a long time. Okay. So I just always suggest going to worshipfully.org. Okay, and you're a nonprofit, so I'm assuming, assuming contributions are welcome. <laughs> they are. They are welcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first started, I had it's it's interesting. I don't know if anybody can, uh, if you can, um, have any experiences like this, but uh, there was a gentleman in July 10 years ago that said, hey, have you ever heard of George Mueller? I'm like, no, I've never heard of George Mueller. I'm at a birthday party for my my nephew. And uh, he's like, hey, I'll get you a few books on him sometime. And well, it's two days later, one of my friends, he lands at the airport here in Louisville, calls me. It's 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. He goes, hey, I'm coming straight to your house. I need to give you something. And this is a different friend two days later after this birthday party. And what does he hand me? a book about George Mueller. And then uh, I read it, and it's all about this guy that uh, lived in um, the 1800s, early 1800s. He was from Germany, grew up in, or but lived in Bristol, England, and he felt like he was supposed to start an orphanage. Um, and he only had one rule with God, and the, the rule that he had was don't tell anybody anything you need. Just pray about it. Oh. So his, his philosophy and his agreement uh, this internal agreement he had with God was like, I, I'm not going to publicize. I'm not going to fundraise. I'll, I'll have ways that people can give, but I'm not going to tell anybody what I need. Yeah. And that way he could prove, oh, this is totally you coming through because you know exactly what we need. Well, he ended up having like 80,000 documented answered prayers over the course of his life like wow. for provision. Like, And at one point he had like 2,500 orphans in his care and millions of dollars worth of real estate that had been donated but also had to be upkept. And uh, so... That's 10 years ago. So two weeks following somebody giving me that book, I'm, I run to another guy. He goes, hey, I know we don't really know each other, but I feel like, like I'm supposed to ask you about, do you know George Mueller? Wow. I'm like, wow. And then, so it's like it, then it happened days, again, and it happened three. again, and it happened again with strangers, and it happened again. It happened 15, 20 times. Wow. And I'm like, I and, get it. I get what, it, God. what time frame? A few months or weeks? Or? This is all within a two-and-a-half-month period. Wow. And so you're like, that's called synchronicity. Yeah. Right. When you start seeing like, wow, you start tying the synchronicities together in your life. I had a lunch meeting uh, with a friend a couple days ago. He's just like called me out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him in five years. And I'm learning how to look for those now where I'm like, you know, from my digital marketing background, I could come up with a plan for your business to grow using social media, Google, uh, the search engines, all the paid ad, uh, you know, platforms that are out there, all the digital techniques, blogging, SEO, all of it. I could come up with a plan Yeah. or I could meet with them for, you know, a couple hours and we just talk and I listen for synchronicities because I'm looking for where is there a path of ease that's different. So yeah. it's like I met with this guy two days ago, a buddy of mine, and he, he's like he's an artist, and he's trying to figure out how to uh, 
monetize some uh, something creative that he's come up with. And so in the course of our conversation, I had written down some some names of people and some organizations here in town that I thought we should contact. Out of his mouth, he said two of those uh, organizations. Two of the three. And then I didn't tell any, say anything to him. Then he we go to his office, and then on his office, there he's, he had created some custom work for one of these other organizations as well. I'd mentioned this other name. The guy calls me while I'm in this meeting yeah. with this friend, the guy that I had written down his name, like, we need to talk, to, and he called me. This guy, his father-in-law owns a company around the corner, and that's one of the names of the that he dropped. And wow. I'm like, okay, there's a t- like it was overloaded with synchronicity. I'm like, and I don't have to go to the ten, other ten that I wrote down. I only need to go to these ones that are are coming up. So, like, you know, I love the title of your podcast. Well, thank you. I love it. Like, so because I'm thinking it means something to me. Like the lyrics mean something different to other people. Yeah, it meant something different to me because it's like respect the math. Yeah. So now you start seeing like synchronicity's math. Sure. Fibonacci code everywhere. Yeah. It's math, right? It's like you just start seeing, okay, because uh, it's not just math for math's sake. I think ma- the math that we see everywhere begs a mathematician. You know what I mean? A master mathematician. So that's like my relationship with God. I'm kind of like, I, I just see him everywhere, yeah. at work everywhere. And so a big part of what I do as a min- in a ministry is like I'm supposed to help people wake up to the synchronicities to the math, to the, or you call it, other people call it spirit, but it's math. It's also math. It's yeah. always, you're like, it's everywhere. Yeah. And, but it's not, um, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. It's not a this. purely academic. It's not just academic. Yeah. There, there's a, a personality behind it. Yeah. Doesn't, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, and the more I stare at that, the more I engage with other cultures and traditions around the world, yeah. and I start seeing the similarities of some of the things that we're saying and doing and the tools that they have. I'm like, okay, I want to dive into those tools. That's great. Because uh, there's just more. There's just always more. And there's a new way that you can live on this planet that doesn't just look like uh, what you can touch, taste, smell, and feel. It's, because I believe we have spirits, we have souls, and you and with those, like a radio can pick up a frequency, you can pick up frequency. Yeah. Right? So that's what I'm doing with the synchronicities. It's like I'm trying to pick up these frequencies that are trying to make themselves, make us aware of them. Yeah, you know? there's some really great things you touched on in there. I took some notes. The first one is, are you familiar with Brian Greene? He's one of the more well-known theoretical physicists. I've, yeah, I've heard of him. He did The Elegant Universe, The Fabric of the Cosmos on PBS mm-hmm. and all that. He said, he said one day on Twitter, he, he said, imagine how many coincidences we don't notice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not living consciously. <laughs> we're not tuned into that. Yeah. We're not looking for it. That's but right. it's like, we're so happy when we say, like you gave an example earlier, so-and-so said, read this book. And then a day later, so-and-so said, read the same book. Think about, we get excited. We're like, oh, there's that connection between those two. Those connections are all around us. All we around are us. swimming, like you said, in synchronicity, connectedness, yes, interconnectedness. Um, yep. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, the second th- thing that came to mind was the book The Secret. I'm sure you're familiar yeah, with that, right? right? The Law of Attraction. I have a lot of people ask me about that. Yeah. They're like, okay, is that real? I'm like, absolutely it's real. It's just that uh, with that, you can you can pursue those synchronicities and not take into account the personality behind it. So you're just self-serving. Does mm-hmm. it work? Oh, yeah. You can, you can attr- there's laws of attraction. It's how your mind thinks, the things you say. 
Uh, your intention and your will expressed through word Mm -hmm. uh, will attract things. But uh, what I would suggest is get to know the personality behind those things. Because uh, if you just are pursuing those for your own pursuit or your own, uh, just to fill your own bucket, it's it's really going to uh, not be satisfying in the long run. Yeah, it's a, you don't want it to be a surface endeavor, a, sh- a <laughs> right. shallow, can I collect this much money and date these many women or, do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, get these, get these many Instagram followers, whatever sure. it might be. Um, you mentioned uh, the personality behind that. Um, you mentioned um, all the math uh, pointing to a mathematician. I, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to talk about that. In the interest of full disclosure, uh, I, I grew up raised Christian. Uh, believed off and on to certain uh, degrees throughout my life for probably the last 15 years or so I would what I would I, I would describe myself as an agnostic atheist however I qualify that by saying I believe a lot of I would hope the people who know me would say I'm a kind person and I attribute a ton of that probably 80 90 percent to being raised Christian believing in something bigger than yourself, having values, respecting human dignity, uh, being compassionate, being kind, being generous, turning the other cheek. Um, That being said, you mentioned all the math around us points to a mathematician. That's a topic I'm very sensitive to as as an agnostic atheist. It's referred to as intelligent design. Yeah. Everything that we see around us that has order and structure and can be understood was made by something. Right. Yeah, right. Well, I'm sympathetic to that. Most of my so my cohorts, my atheist brothers and sisters aren't. Um, I think that I'm different in that sense that I am very um, I'm very non-hostile towards religion. <laughs> right. Um, I think that the people don't talk about this enough. I don't, I don't think Christians do a good enough um, job of talking about this. And maybe that's from a humility standpoint, but. If you think about somewhere on the planet where clean water is being ran to a village, uh, a school is being built for or, uh, an orphan, an orphan children, um, people are being cared for, medical care, uh, fed, uh, spiritually uh, guided, educated, all those things, there's a pretty good chance there's a religiously motivated person on the other end facilitating that. Pretty you good see? chance. Not, not all the time. Not all the time. But I would say, you know, there's definitely, in whoever's, Organizing that, the organization or the whoever this is spearheading that, right, um, has something genuine inside of them, and it's it, there's a love and a compassion that you can't um, fabricate and a responsibility, right, right, and and, so, and not just a responsibility. I would say it like with that with that um, love. Um, You know, this is this would be a little controversial, but you know, Christianity doesn't own the market on love, right? right. And so, uh, God is love, and God loves everybody. And uh, so, if you have love in your heart, it's from Him. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of Christians would say, "Well, there's all truth in Bible." Like, no, I think the Bible's true, but it doesn't contain all truth. And uh, you know, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." It's it's bigger than the text. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's bigger than that. And th- so there's there's things that we can uh, learn from and from other cultures. And I think it always points back to the reality of of uh, God. I do, but uh, like you were saying, like the philanthropic activities, education, care. I heard this guy say the other day, God's most uh, um, concerned about 
bringing justice and righteousness on the earth, but it's not your justice and your righteousness. So, but he said, but if you look for things that are trying to make the world a better place, their, tr- their aim is literally to feed, clothe, shelter, give medicine, medical care, you name it. Protection. Protection. Uh, yes. All of those things together, he goes, you'll never see those things not funded. They always get funded. Why do they always get funded? And, he's, and he said, look at the billionaires around the world today. What are they doing? Why are they billionaires? Um, are they Christians? Not necessarily, but God's always going to fund the thing that's bringing justice on the earth. That's That was his perspective. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a really cool perspective because you're like, okay, you're thinking about things that make this world a better place. Are you wanting to make this world a better place? Are you like just focusing on your neighborhood, you know, yeah. or your own family yeah. and just being like, I'm going to do something that's going to impact somebody positively yeah. and uh, creates less pain, removes pain or, you know, problems, fear, protection, like you had, you had mentioned. You are, in my opinion, um, the, one of the finest examples of a true Christian. To be Christian, in my opinion, is to be Christ-like. Christ loved yeah. every everyone. He had deliberately sought out the people whose society had casted aside criminals, the sick, right? Uh, you know, the, the least un, of these, the least of these, right? Yeah. That's the exact. That's the, I couldn't have worded it any better. Um, you're an example of that because you might have some religious, political views that some people might disagree with, and I might even disagree with you on some of these things. We're not. We have to get into politics, but the thing I've never doubted about someone like you is you believe the ultimate mission, if, it, if you don't accomplish anything else, is to be compassionate and kind towards other people. I'm learning a ton about that in this season. I, I would say, you know, thank you for that compliment. But I would It's a s- reflection of the truth. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm just telling the truth. Sure. And I would say I'm learning about how much uh, room I have to grow also in that because it's like none of us have arrived. Um, I can get disgruntled about disagreements around any issue on the planet, I'm learning how not to now. Mm-hmm. I'm learning, like, uh, one of the guys I follow, he's just really good at communicating. He's like, one of the shortcomings of organized religion is this thing that creates uh, separation between us and others because it's the ideas. So what we do is we polarize. He goes, we cannot afford to do that. He said, including with creation, he would say, like, uh, one of the books in the New Testament is called Romans. In Romans 8, it says, All of creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. And Say that uh, again. All of creation, all of it, is groaning, longing for the revealing of the true sons of God. Okay. And uh, two things. He, one, he, one, he points out, he goes, it's not groaning and longing for the return of Christ. It's, it's what it's longing for is actually the return of Christ in us, okay. the people. Because if we do that, it's going to share in our liberty, is what Roman says. But the other thing that's an interesting point is, he goes, it's groaning. It's longing for something. All of creation. Yeah. Not people or just people. All of creation. Yeah. He says creation has a consciousness. And so with that knowledge, you start, I go back to, we can't be disconnected. And as a lot of times in faith, in faith movements, faith or denominations or whatever. It's like we separate each from each other just based on ideas. 
like what we call doctrines, you know, in the church. Sure. But it's just ideas, and we get so upset that we can't agree on these things that we remove friendship from each other. Yeah. We act, but it's deeper than that. It's like we remove our whole self from them, and it's a separateness. And so this guy would say, we've got to now learn how to engage everybody, see the Christ in everyone. And uh, that doesn't mean everybody's following Christ, but there's this thing, there's this spirit in each inside of each person mm-hmm. uh, where he said... His biggest strength is learning to see the glory in each person. Every person he encounters. This guy, he's like the biggest giver at the Buddhist temple around the corner. He goes and serves the kids there, but he's a Christian pastor. Yeah. And and he's meeting with uh, Hindus, and he's meeting with Muslims, and he's meeting with atheists and agnostics, and uh, of course Christians too. But he's like, the whole point is, is for us to engage in a way where, like, do you actually feel like you're my friend yeah. <laughs> or am I a project to you? Yeah. You know, like, just just trying to get me to think like you. And you've always walked that fine line so eloquently, I've thought, of b- being in touch with the secular world, right? Whether it's either popular culture or politics, but also your music, right? Because you play some secular music, you play right. some, some worship music and things like that. But You've always walked that fine line so well, I thought. Um, you're not relatable if you're only in the religious realm. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You're not relatable if you're only in the secular realm. You have to, at the end of the day, if your mission is to reach as many people as you can, connect with them, extend some decency, humanity, compassion, kindness, generosity, whatever it might be, you've got to be able to kind of step in and out of you know those various worlds yeah. Um, to be, if that's your ultimate goal, which I'm assuming it is for most. And I would say it's like your mind changes and it's not various worlds. It's one world. It really is. It, right. And cause we're one people and yeah. we're one creation. And so, uh, it's hard for like, um, I would say anybody that like, I don't, you listen to, uh, Jordan Peterson very uh, often, like, I, you know, he's got some really good points. He's like a lot of times when somebody has a cause, uh, I'm a butcher of this, so you're gonna have to look him up and hear how he said it. Peterson. He's great, but he's yeah. you know he just said something along the lines of uh, people that have these causes already have built into their DNA that there there's a something broken, and there's really good causes out there. But I'm like saying like maybe it's uh, something around like these intellectual ideas that where there might be disagreements. He goes, we're right, you're wrong, and because of that, it's polarizing. Absolutely. Because it's baked into it. And then what what happens is now we can't come to the table because we're not even friends. We can't even talk about these things. Isn't that sad? Yeah, but it's the same. It's a lot. A lot of that exists in the church. A lot of that exists even in, you know, atheist camps because I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. I'm like, we can just be friends, (laughs) you know, and and go watch the soccer game and, you know, and find some just learn how, but also learn how to see the beauty in each other and find some common ground because what my fo- like when he said uh my, my this guy I follow he said my skill set is to see the glory in each person if your objective is to see the glory in somebody you're not looking at what you disagree about because mm-hmm. you're just so enamored by how amazing they are if you truly see it for what it is you really see a person you'll be stunned by it you'll be stunned by their beauty, the way they think, their the way potential. their mind operates, their potential, yeah. their gifts, all of it. Yeah. And now that's 
not just disarming. That's just like that's what everybody longs for. I want to be seen that way by people, right? Because yeah. you want real community, real friendship. That's what it looks like. Where they're like, I'm looking past the things we disagree about because those are insignificant. They really ultimately are, right? It's pretty insignificant. You mentioned earlier, everybody wants to be wanted, right? <laughs> everybody wants to be wanted. That's yeah. just one of the strongest psychological needs inside of our consciences human nature human nature you mentioned dis- disagreeing i don't know about you but some of the most um fruitful and beneficial relationships and conversations i've ever had are with people i disagree with yeah you know i seek that out i everybody likes to have affirmation right and to have people around them that confirm this or that you know belief or philosophy or ideology but um I'm looking back and taking an inventory of my relationships. Some of the most beneficial interactions and lifelong relationships I've had are with people I disagree with. My best friend is uh, as believing, as as committed as Christian as you are, and we don't argue about it. We ha- we find common ground, and that's our values. You know, I tell people, I don't give someone a litmus test. Are you a Jew, an atheist, or a, a Muslim, or a Christian? No, you're just drowning. I'm gonna jump in and save you. Right? There's no litmus test. There's no qualification. Um, you know, and I wish people could sit down, whatever the topic could be, and genuinely try to understand uh, what, what what experiences that person has had that have led them to, to have that position, this right. or that position that you might disagree with, as opposed to, I'm right, you're wrong, see you later. What's the point of life? <laughs> what, right? What's yeah. the point of life if you can't do that? Um, empathy is a huge one, right? I, th- I think um, this cancel culture thing, right? Uh, you know, you can erase an entire lifetime of, of so- someone being a good person because they made an insensitive joke or comment or something. I'm not defending right. that, but do we have to ruin someone's entire life? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. smear all the good things they may or may not right. have done um, because of one um, insensitive thing. Um, Gosh, if I if everybody heard the insensitive things I've said in my lifetime, haven't we all I'm done? done. Haven't, exactly. <laughs> I'm finished. Just what? Just one of them, right? All <laughs> yeah, the, that's right. All that we take is one, right? Haven't we all done or thought or said something that we're ashamed of and we regret? Sure. And to think that it, we would be judged by the totality of our everything we've done by one or two bad moments or whatever it might be selectively, um, I think is um, I think is concerning. Um, I want to go back to the law of attraction because I have a theory that if you're Muslim, if you're an atheist, Christian, whatever it might be, I think there are certain things that there's two things I think people want from hap- from from uh, life in this order: happiness and success. Um, and I think the people that I observe that I think are achieving both of those have things in common. For example, when you're a Christian, you pray. Right, prayer is huge. Right, it's a way to connect yeah. with God. It's a, it's a per- intimate, personal connection. There's, um, there's, you know, prayers. You can ask for something, or you can just say, "Hey, God, how can I be a better Christian? How can I be a better person?" It's very uh, personal, very uh, inter- in- integral part of being a Christian, a believer in general too. Muslims pray, Jews pray, all that. I think that the re- one of the reasons, from an atheist standpoint, that that's effective is it gives people a sense of purpose that knowing there's something bigger out there that they can connect with and relate to and ask for help, right? That's a very, uh, 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 it's a, it's a very, very delicate position to put yourself in. You're, you're vulnerable is the word I was looking for. I happen to think the same people who might, instead of prayer, meditate a lot are, are accomplishing the same thing. They're intentional, right? When you're praying, you're intentional. You have a purpose, a topic, um, you're asking for help, you're asking for understanding, grace, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I tend to think that the people who are doing that 
and becoming happy and successful as related to that as, as, as it relates to that, it's because there's an underlying um, science, a math, so to speak, um, that can explain that. Can you, can you comment on that? Yeah, that, that's a lot to unpack, but um, you know, you said happiness and success. There's, you know, some people's uh, around the world, uh, their definition of success is probably far different than what it is for us in the United States. Theirs is, did I get a meal today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, third world problems. Third world problems, and we yeah. have first world problems. So it's uh, yeah. which car should I take to work today? <laughs> which car should Ugh. I take? Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah, uh, or I got a flat tire. I guess I'll take my other car to work. You're yeah. like, wow, you have two cars. Okay, you have a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a car. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I don't know if there's an exact equation. I, I go back to the justice and righteousness thing. I do know if your heart is centered on certain things that the heart of God is centered on. I believe that there's a uh, an emotional payoff that is just hardwired into who we who how we're made. You're you're made to make things better. You're made to cultivate. You're made to protect. You're made to do these things uh, in God's nature, my perspective. And then as you do that, there's an emotional payoff, which feels like success, feels like happiness, feels like these things. But also, like let's say monetarily, uh, do I know that everybody that pours themselves out uh, for their ma- for mankind is always rewarded? No, I don't know that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I do know, <clears throat> and from my experience, the more I pu- put myself in a place where I'm like, okay, my will and my intention when I'm praying, like, I feel like God knows my needs. I'm talking to him about my needs. Uh, they're met. So it's like I'm almost four years into this interesting journey called Worship Fully, right? And I've got a track record that's like if you want to talk about like a scientific lab, I have lab math data mm-hmm. going back and looking at there's not been one time that we've missed a bill. Wow. I don't know how. Except to say, he's he's good. Both the God's bill, good. Both the bills that come along with running a nonprofit and your personal bills from an income standpoint. Our family, excellent. All of the above. And yeah. so I know uh, statistically or mathematically, I look at that stuff and I look at um, can I create a case? If I was in a courtroom, could I create a case for um, the decisions I've made that have me where I'm at, and then look at? how finances have played out. Mm-hmm. I could make a really strong case, you know? Uh, Give us that case. So, you know, like just... Don't just tease I, So I like, so yeah, in November, uh, I had open heart surgery and it was totally out of the blue. Didn't expect that. Just, you know, mid forties and uh, pretty healthy most of my life and very healthy most of my life. And mm-hmm. uh, thought I had double pneumonia back in July of last year. And it, it just lingered and lingered and lingered. Finally saw a specialist. He said, your heart's failing. You have a valve that needs to be repaired. So anyway, I get that repaired. And uh, there's some metal, medical bills that come with uh, a surgery of that magnitude. Are we talking you know? six figures? Uh, yeah. And it just all got taken care of. Really? You know? And so a mixture of, of course, the health plan that we're a part of. and yeah. But also just people coming together and just saying, hey, we, we saw what's going on. We just want to help out with that. And wow. just everything gets taken care of. But <clears throat> how did that make you feel? How did that reinforce? Because you had to deal with both the why is this happening to my heart mm-hmm. at, 
on one side, and the other one is this outpouring yeah. of support. Right. How do, how do, how do, talk about that. Well, I mean, if, if you feel um, when I first started the ministry, it, you you go through a shift where you're like, okay, I have, I'm dependent upon God. And I have to be able to learn how to receive, which is very difficult for most people because mm. their pride won't let them. Especially a man. Especially a man. It's his, his job to provide, not to yeah. receive. I think traditionally, I'm, I think my personality is just uniquely. God knew I was ready up for the task of doing this, just yeah. because of my personality. I'm. I can get over that stuff a lot easier. Somebody's like the physical yeah, aspect. Yeah, of the, the physical circle. aspect yeah. of receiving funds from somebody else. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's hard for some people to do that. It is. But. You know, mathematically, like the whole spectrum, there's like I I'm one that believes there's more than the the what we see in the physical, right? And mm-hmm. not and like I think quantum, the quantum realm is like oh. talk, like opening that up to new dialogues. Like what's happening? I believe it's all spiritual, but it's all math, but it's all quantum. It's all it's all you're gonna the you're, same. You're gonna regret mentioning the Q well, word. We're gonna come I'm, back to that. We're gonna come back to that, yeah. and you're gonna be the one that has to probably walk us through most of that because I don't know too much about it. But, like, the idea that there's more, right? Um, so the way that God's provided for me, I would, and, and I, would, I would use the term miraculously or supernaturally. Uh-huh. It comes out of a, a, another place. Metaphysically. Right? Arguably. It comes from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, whether it's him moving hearts of strangers that I've never met before and they sow into me. So yeah. I, we use that word so, like, financially, like, people give you money. It's just a Christian term, sorry. Yeah. But, um, seed, investing. But also, like, things like, um, uh, if you read about like the life of Jesus, you're like, okay, he's pretty uh, extraordinary. You read the stories about him healing people. Mm-hmm. I love those stories. So I'm like, okay, is that real? I don't know. I'm going to investigate it. And then I'm like, well, that's cool. Jesus did it. Can I do it? Uh, and because he said I could in the scripture, it says you can if you believe. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I believe, but I'm going to try to believe and help me believe and like last Sunday, I was at uh, two Sundays ago. I was in uh, Shelbyville, Kentucky, at a recovery program. We had asked people, "I go, who who in here has pain in their body?" Five hands go up. We pray for five people. All five of them left pain free. Like right. So you're like, okay, that's tangible, verifiable. You can go back. We can talk to these people and say, okay, did this really happen? What was your pain level at the point? I always ask, what's your pain level? Because mm-hmm. I want a quantifiable. They're in their body. They're the only ones that know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I love these things where you come out the other side with tangible data. Now, has everybody I've ever prayed for gotten healed? No, yeah. <laughs> I had to go through heart surgery. I've prayed for people that needed to go through heart surgery and they were healed, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Now you could have a fence with that. And be like, what's the, what's the deal, God? What's up with that? But yeah. you're like, no. It's like you just start seeing everything working together. And you're like, who am I to? I can't judge anyone. Yeah, I know he knows what's up and what's good for me, and I've just felt like I was supposed to go through that. Yeah, but going back to the the, the math, <laughs> being like, some of this stuff is fun because you're like, uh, you know, and I meet people all the time. Like, that's a bunch of bogus. Healing's bogus. This is bogus. So I'm like, well, that's okay. I don't have to convince you. Maybe to them but, it is, right? And <laughs> and to them it is. Yeah. And yeah. but the person that got healed on Sunday, they believe, and that's yeah, fine. They, but I'm not here to convince everybody. I don't have to get into a debate or the, yeah. you know, like apologetics and try to convince somebody through words or crafty language. I'm like, 
if you don't want to believe in that, that's fine. You're not going to change my opinion once you've seen it. It's like getting in an argument with Neil Armstrong about what gravity on the moon's like. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you been to the moon? No, but he has. And so stop arguing with him about it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, one thing that came to mind with um, believing is uh, I tell folks that are hostile towards religion, I'm like, you know, most of the people, particularly in America and Western society, Western culture, in the year 2022, you know what they're told when they go to church on Sunday? They're told to forgive people who've harmed them. They're told to be generous to people who need help. They're told to be compassionate and kind and loving their neighbor. I go occasionally, and uh, I listen to Joel Osteen from time to time. I'm a big fan of his. Um, And I'm like, if you think that what's wrong with the world is Christianity, you've been misguided. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's real bad people out there. And you can disagree with some of the political positions. We don't need to go into those, but sure. some of the hot button, poli- you know, political conservative Republican views most Christians ascribe towards. Um, but if you just go and listen, it always amazes me. I mean, these people have these strong opinions against religion and, and Christianity specifically in our culture, and they haven't even gone to church one time. Sure, they haven't even listened to someone on TV speak. Or well, usually it's reinforced by some of the Christians they've met. <laughs> So I will say you're absolutely right. Uh, the There's an authentic thing. And the people that are disgruntled at Christianity haven't experienced the authentic thing. They usually, like, and Jesus was the most critical of the religious leaders. He wasn't critical of anyone else yeah. on the planet. You ever read anything in the scripture, the only people that Jesus was getting on yeah. were the religious leaders because, because they were corrupt, right? They were corrupt, yeah. but they were also missing the boat as far as, like, what's the main thing? Yeah. And the main thing is character, the nature of God expressed through you, real generosity, not, like, treating your faith like you're an accountant and you're checking boxes. And that's yeah. what they were doing. They were like, hey, look at us. We're we're uh, giving out of our spices, not just our money. Yeah. We're giving out of our uh agriculture we're giving out of our whatever whatever and it's like because they wanted to be seen doing doing that stuff yeah but it wasn't coming out of their heart and that's what jesus was always after was your heart it was a christian thinker i can't remember his name he said uh, the problem in christianity is christians have you heard that (laughs) (laughs) well i mean if you want to sum it up that's a really good way to sum it up well and it's just you know some people have just had really bad encounters with um like people that profess to be a christian and but they but they're not being that and yeah, they're yeah. being jerks. Right, yeah. <laughs> or argumentative, or like we said earlier in the podcast, they're pulling away. And and you feel that because it's like you, you're not, your main objective is love, and I can feel that. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Feynman, um, most, one of the most famous uh, physicists of all time, brilliant man, a very kind and compassionate man, also an, also an atheist, but not hostile towards religion. When, when he was asked about quantum physics, he said, this is a problem that is so complicated that I don't, I don't even know if there's a problem there. Like, I can't even get to the table to ad- address the problem. I don't know what the problem is. You know what I'm saying? I'm paraphrasing him. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting to me, particularly with modern physics uh, and quantum mechanics specifically, is that you mentioned uh, Christianity on the surface versus what's underneath, that personal relationship, that connection with Christ. Uh, a higher power, so to speak. Quantum mechanics, there's a lot of parallels there. Tons. They tell us that the classical world, where if I roll this pin across the table and it starts here, it'll travel through every point in between and end up here. That's classical physics, right? We right. Can, Newton gave us his laws of motion and gravitation to explain all that. 
But that's on the surface. And quantum physics teaches us there's this whole underlying universe right. that is way larger and far more complex um, yeah. and far more bizarre than anything that you see on the surface. And I know I'm not supposed to do this as a card-carrying, scientifically-oriented, atheist, logical person, but I can't help but notice the parallels there. Right. Um, you know, in the quantum world, a particle can not only travel from here to here without passing through the points in between, it can go from here to here instantaneously and can also exist here and here. Right. Those are things yeah. in the classical world um, that we take for granted every day and serves us very well, right? Right. Until you start trying to understand uh, one of the big ap practical applications that broke quantum physics from being a purely academic pursuit to having some actual relatability in the real world was uh, consumer electronics, radios, TVs, t cell phones, phones in general. Everything that Newton and Einstein taught us about motion and locality and particles, thinking about um, this pen, if you, you, if you mag magnify it enough, you'll see little point-like particles. All that stuff works great for 99% of our everyday life, right? Right. You can drive it's the, the macro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you start doing that, when you start asking an electron to travel a certain path through a circuit to either give you a zero or a one to help you computate some value and ultimately have calculators, computers, more, more sophisticated things, that doesn't work. And so that was, that was one of the main, and Richard Feynman was one of the ambassadors for quantum mechanics having a real-world application that even if you didn't understand it all, which, by the way, most people who say they understand it don't, okay? That's kind of like uh, most people who say they're not cra crazy probably need some help. Right. Um, but it, it, consumer electronics, and that, that hits home with me because I have an IT business. And that's all we do is manipulate electronics. Um that did not, classical mechanics did not work for telling us how, how to make a, a subatomic particle, mainly an electron in electronics, flow through a circuit to go through this gate or that gate um, to give you this or that behavior, this, this or that um, uh, property. And quantum mechanics does. If, if someone flipped a switch and turned quantum mechanics off, everything we're doing right now would stop working. The lights would go off. The sound, we'd have, we'd have no audio coming through our headphones. The video you see on the feed, none of that stuff would work. Um, and I can't help but notice I'm kind of um, seduced by the parallels between that and what spirituality, religion, Christianity uh, has to say. And it sounds like there's some age-old wisdoms where, like, if you think of, a like you mentioned Buddhist monks, quantum mechanics would make sense to them, I would think, e even if you presented it to them 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because they're like, as much as everything we sense and perceive seems so real, Right. It's ultimately not. The classical world that we take for granted every day is just right. one possibility on an entire spectrum of what a quantum... <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I ever showed you this. I've got it. I'll show you this video later, but I'll describe it now, which is I was taking part in this course online where there's probably a thousand other participants all over the world. One of the things this uh, the person doing the teaching was trying to train you to do was to uh, get an idea bring it up, like imagine your, your body, bring it up through your feet, up to your stomach, wrap it in some sort of emotion. He teaches you how to do this. Bring that emotion up to your heart, and you're going to give it intention. Then we release it, uh, you put, like, then you experience like lifting your hands up above your head, and you're like releasing that thing to do what, what you want it to do yeah. through word, right? So you're, then you're speaking it or whatever, giving it, uh, making it real. Well, we were using this because he was like, I want to teach you how to take a your run-of-the-mill incandescent light bulb 
And you're going to take this light bulb and you're going to smash a floor tile. And the bulb's going to be fine. Yeah. But the tile's going to smash. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, you're, you're questioning, like, okay, he just said we're going to smash a tile with a light bulb. The light bulb's not going to break, but the tile will. And so he, sees, he starts teaching, that, like, there's uh, probably about 100 or so people gathered with him live where the events are taking place. And then I'm watching, you know, from my living room online uh, live as well. But this one girl walks up. She was so full of confidence. She just grabbed the light bulb and says, you'll, you'll smash the tile. She threw it at the tile, and the tile's obliterated, and the bulb's fine. Huh. Right? And there's, like, video, okay, there's video proof of this? Well, yeah. And, and uh, so I'm learning how to do this, right? And yeah. so after five smashed uh, bulbs, my bulbs all smashed. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to, like, okay. I get frustrated. He's like, yeah, use that. Use that emotion. Wrap, wrap this idea of you're going to smash this tile with this light bulb. Bring it up to your heart. Give it intention. Release this thing. Boom. Obliterated, right? And the, and the bulb was intact. I'm like, and then, you know, you're dropping it from three or four feet in the air and you're like, yeah, uh, you know, Nothing special about no, this nothing, bulb, just your standard bulb. Standard bulb. Should break every time you I, drop I, it. I went and bought them at Walmart, right? Yeah. All these light bulbs. Well, they can't be special. They no, they, they, they cannot be special. By definition. <laughs> but the point is, is what there's more to the to reality. Yeah. And so, what, like, what's the point behind that? I had a lot of friends. I showed it to them. They're like, yeah, but what's the point? I go, the point is you can manipulate anything. Yeah. The, the point is, is the human, the human being is the highest, highest technological, uh, sophisticated piece of equipment yeah. in the entire universe. That's my belief. The most complex and, form right? of consciousness. And that it was meant to manage the material realm. Yeah. And because of that, so you see the, like this example of breaking the tile with a light bulb. Like, well, why is that so important? Well, what happens is if you can start learning how to harness your intention and your will and... Uh, what, where's your limitations with business? Where's your limitations with innovation? Where's your limitation with energy breakthrough? You know, where's your limitation in medicine? Where's your limit? You, you start, you start seeing like, okay, it's more than what a pharmaceutical can make with, um, compounds or, you know, organic matter and what, how they can manipulate that in a lab. What about your own will over somebody's body? Change your own composition. Yes. Yeah. And so you, you read these stories about these guys that have performed mental surgery on themselves and they come out of like uh, being quadriplegic into walking. You're like, now that's it's hard for some people to believe, but I've seen the stories. I believe those stories. I, you're come, it's, you know, firsthand accounts. But then it's like, okay, <clears throat> me, this is me and I'm, doing these things, that's totally different, right? That takes it to a whole nother level. And you're like, okay, well, what if I'm skeptical? Well, yeah, but you can, if you, you can be skeptical. That's the whole point. Everybody's skeptical because we've, we've lived for eons in a system that we, that where we think largely uh, it's just the physical realm. Well, in natural selection, skepticism is rewarded. That's right. Well, yeah, because it it's survival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to be skeptical. You don't like. To a certain should extent. we come out of the cave or not? Right. Because yeah. there could be something scary that wants to eat me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so evolutionarily, skepticism is served yeah, as well. Yeah. But what happens too with 
when you witness something like this for the first time, what happens? It changes your paradigm, right? Changes your paradigm. Everything shifts. Everything shifts because you're like, I can't hold on tightly to all these things I've believed for so long about uh, Christianity, atheism, any of it. Right. I have to be. Lo- I have to hold these things loosely. Now, me, I the only thing I hold tightly to is Jesus. That's it. Yeah. And so that's my thing. Yeah. Like I've learned. Like I, I believe it all flows in and through this uh, Christ. We'll call it a Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. That Christ consciousness came into the form of a man named Jesus. But when, but before that, it was just the word is what the Bible calls it. It was just the word. And then God created everything through word. And this word is the spirit thing that's uh, fundamentally foundational to everything that is. It says in the in scripture, it says it holds all things together. So that's kind of that's my yeah. philosophy. That's what I understand, and I like I. I view everything through that lens and the more i push myself to do things that like you read about in scripture or you see on youtube like there's some dude levitating over there like is that possible yeah not, i don't know not i'm like david, not david blaine but it, right yeah yeah not david blaine not yeah. uh not magic not magic, but yeah. literal like there's monks that sit on top of poles and don't eat food for a year because they're breatharians yeah and you're like okay that's challenging me. I have to understand how that works so I can synthesize that through my understanding of Jesus. And I do. And yeah. I'll like look at these things like, okay, I want to know how this stuff works because there's more than the physical realm. Yeah. And so that's way why, more. That's why quantum is so fascinating because it does align with I cannot find something in quantum that I would say challenges me when it comes to like reading scripture or like the bible i can't find something that would contradict a thought an idea or a concept Mm -hmm. that's why it's like oh this is really neat how well (laughs) seemingly well it's like a hand in a glove and how these two uh uh, like mirror each other yeah now one's faith one's science but it's like ultimately science is just revealing the truth yeah yeah einstein said uh what was it um uh science without religion is uh, is lame, and religion without science is blind. It's blind. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You mentioned a word earlier that meant a lot to me. You said, you said everything flows from Christ through me. That's the one thing I cling to, and it's not non-negotiable. Yeah, it's non-negotiable. And you said I'm, I view it through that lens. When you said that, that, that struck me. Do you think it's possible that someone who, say, is a Muslim and believes in Allah is just looking at the same thing you're looking at through a different lens? Oh, that's a good question. It's a really good question. I feel like uh, the Christ, uh, let me say that it's or Muhammad, whichever one. Sure, like that. I feel like there's a Christ uh, consciousness in everybody that just needs to be woken up. Yeah. So, like the way that a Western Christian would, uh, we use the term evangelism. It's sharing the story with Jesus, and if you respond to that story, you have to say some words, and then okay, now you're a Christian. Yeah. And maybe you get baptized or something, you know, uh, uh, and then. The Western Church would say, "Well, now you're a Christian. Now that's happened." So it's like I do believe that you have to make a. There's a choice towards Christ. Uh-huh. There's a choice towards God. I do believe it's a very he Christ is a, a distinct thing that uh, flowed from, you know, the Judaic tradition. 
mm-hmm. and into the Christian tradition. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's the same thing. That I don't think we're talking about the same thing, if that makes sense, okay. from other faiths. But the way it's so beautiful that it's been described to me most recently is just see the Christ in everybody. Mm-hmm. Because whether they're a Hindu, a Buddhist, or a Muslim, or a Christian, or a whatever, there's a Christ spirit in each person that needs to be awakened. Mm-hmm. And so that's different. And it's different because now I'm not separating myself from everybody just because we have different ideologies or we have different you know, thoughts and uh, about uh, the spiritual realm or or the visible realm. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just looking for the glory again. And that's what that glory is. So it's like I look at the amazing... Because I believe everybody's been created uh, by God. That means I should have the highest esteem for every person I ever get the honor of talking to. Everyone's Everybody. personal dignity. <laughs> Not even dignity. Just being like like the seeing humanity. a Mona Lisa. Like, yeah. like being like... Do, but we're, we're blind to it because we're 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 living unconsciously because we don't see the world through that lens. Yeah. Like, you, like, you're a Van Gogh. You're a Rembrandt. You're a, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to clarify for those people that are listening, I, I know some people get scared when you toss around the word atheism and agnosticism. Uh, I want to make a few points for me. I think the world is by and large a much better place because of religion. I think there's some people hijacking it and claiming to be acting on God's behalf, and most of them are not. I think that needs to be said. I also need to uh, clarify one thing. Um, I call myself an agnostic atheist. I choose those two words very carefully. I think it's important to articulate why. For me, it's as extreme a declaration to say there is a God as to say that there is not. To me, those are two sides of the same coin. They both require uh, uh, an almost... um, almost a blind belief in one way or the other. Yes, there's a God and there's no way there isn't a God or no, there, there is no God and there could never be a God. To me, those are equally large leaps that I can't make um, uh, and have my intellectual integrity intact. You know what I'm saying? I say this and I mean this sincerely. Everything that you say and you believe in could be true. I believe that. It's very possible. Okay, um, it's one of many possibilities that, as someone who's philosophically uh, oriented, will hopefully be open-minded enough to acknowledge. I don't think there's enough of that. And the other thing is, agnosticism for me means there's one answer I can give you that I'm absolutely certain of. And you know what that is? I don't know. <laughs> like, and I, I don't even know if I could say I'm absolutely certain of that. In all honesty, that's that's the one statement I can make with the most. Um, conviction and the most uh, I, I, I feel that that is the most honest answer and the most honest reflection of who I am as a person is that I don't know God could be real Jesus could be his son God could be a Buddha or um, Allah or Muhammad or whoever whoever it might be and I think that's an important distinction um, to be made there was an interesting uh, film called Heaven is Real I'm assuming mm-hmm. you've seen that uh, yeah, we, I saw that one. Yeah, um, that's compelling to me. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who, who again are in my on my side of things, agnostic and or atheist, um, they wouldn't even watch something like that. They would completely dismiss it, not even consider it. And I'm like, at the end of the day, shouldn't we be curious? Right? We should be curious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it? that's why you know, uh, I would say a lot of Christians are handcuffed to what they're allowed to investigate mm-hmm. uh but you look at 
I look at some of my brothers and sisters around the world that they're investigating everything. Because it's like, if it's all him, in him, made by him, for him, through him, I say him, I'm thinking God, mm-hmm. from my, uh, you know, my seat. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> it There's something valid there. And uh, I think a lot of Christians just get like, oh, you're going to be deceived. There's too much deception out there. I'm like, well, who's in you? Like, I like, mm. yeah, like you have such a low opinion about God in you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he's, well, I think he can protect you, lead you pretty well. Yeah. Uh, They're insecure. It, yeah. There's an, an insecurity there. So it's like I, the, the people that I've been really encouraged by are the ones that are actually engaging other people. Uh, leaders of other faiths you know Mm -hmm. and people that are like i mean rock stars of like um like buddhist monks that are like putting their hand over flame right and Mm -hmm. they can hold it there for an hour and they won't be burned Mm -hmm. right why what have they done they've meditated for 30 or 40 years and they've just emptied themselves of ego and so fire isn't fire Mm -hmm. it's just it's they're innocent to it and because there's an innocence with them this is a total sidebar but it's like because there's innocence there uh, they're not burned by that. Now, they're not like, so this guy that's studying under these guys talks about this. He goes, you know, I'm trying to alchemize the same thing. I'm trying to learn how to do that, except I'm trying to do it through Christ so I don't have to do 30 years of meditation. Mm. And he says, I sit right next to him and I'm learning how to do this and I'm able to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the Buddhist monks, how did you do that? That took me 40 years of meditation. He goes, oh, he said, because in Christ, he goes, uh, your ego isn't uh, pushed down like to nothing, it's just in check by the spirit. It doesn't require forty years of meditation to do these things. Mm-hmm. Now, most Christians are like, "That's really weird. Why are you even trying to not be burned by flames or do this or do that?" Like, because you can. Yeah. Why not? Because it's like we're kids and we're we're just on this discovery of. Uh, What's the point of, of waking up tomorrow? Right. If the adventure. To discover. Yeah. You're like. That blows my mind. You know, it's like the stuff, like, I don't believe everything I see. Yeah. Um, I don't believe everything I hear. I don't um, ascribe to every, like, weird thing out there, but it's like you start hearing, like, reports of UFOs and you start hearing reports. Uh, like, <laughs> did you know that flat earthers have uh, members all over the globe? They are real and they are powerful <laughs> and they are fierce. There's millions of them. <laughs> No, I saw this meme. It says, uh, we have members all over the globe. I was like, and then somebody said, read that again right. slowly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that there's just more. And so what does it look like for you to like move towards that? And let's say you're uh, in an atheist camp. You're like, there is no God. Okay, that's, that's, okay. that's fine. That's where you are. Um, and you're not broken or anything. You're uh, an amazing, beautiful human being what does it look like for you to pursue improvement on the planet? Justice, <clears throat> righteousness. You know, those are like like sound like religious terms. Yeah. What does it look like for you to just make the world a better place? You know? Yeah. And how Let's you, just do it. How can you pour into that? Going back to quantum mechanics, there's a guy named Hugh Everett. You ever heard of him? Yeah. Okay. So um, he was this uh, physicist. I think he graduated in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And he was wrestling with quantum mechanics. And anybody who truly dives into it is just astounded at how bizarre it is and how counterintuitive it is to everything we take for granted every day. And he looked at it and he said, for a given quantum mechanical experiment, 
all you can ever do is assign a probability that this or that is going to occur, particularly when it deals to two things most important to what we call classical mechanics under the umbrella of locality, that a particle or some object has a position in space and time, and it has a velocity over time through space and time, right? And quantum mechanics tells us there's an important distinction that needs to be made. A guy named Leonard Susskind, another hero of mine, said, quantum mechanics didn't tell us that a particle can't both have a velocity and a position at the same time. It says we can't know it. That's a very important distinction. And what follows from that is the more you know about a particle's position, the less you know about its velocity. And the reason for that is because of wave-particle duality. If I drew a wave on the wall, it was consisting of particles. You could look at that, and that wave is a visual representation of the trajectory those particles are taking. So a wave tells you where something's going. Does it tell you where it is? Not really, right? A particle tells you very specifically where something is. Does it tell you where it's going? No. And so one of the key insights to one of the pillars of quantum mechanics is wave-particle duality. A particle can exist in a particle in a classical universe, or it can be a wave in the underlying uh, ultimate reality of quantum mechanics. And Hugh Everett said, well, if, if in any given scenario I can only assign a probability that this or that will occur, then from a certain standpoint, all possibilities are equally real. Right In the sense that you can't rule them out, you can't say, all you can say is there's a probability this or that. There's no certainty. Uh, Heisenberg gave us the uncertainty principle early on. Um, And so what that relates to for me, and again, I'm seduced by this, I'm not supposed to do this, this connection between spirituality, religion, and modern science and quantum mechanics What comes out of that from Hugh Everett is the multiverse. He says that in any given scenario where there's a quantum outcome that can occur, you can't rule out any of them as being completely impossible, even if their probability is as close to near zero as you can comprehend. He said it must be the case then that every time that happens, there's a universe created for each of those possible outcomes. And that's where we got the term the multiverse from. Yeah. Um, when you were talking earlier about spirituality and connection with God, that, that triggered that idea in my mind. And I'm thinking to myself, and it, it also, uh, when you explore the concept of the multiverse, the w- word infinity becomes very important. Because if there's an infinite number of universes, it not only means that there's a Joel out there doing something slightly different in a different universe, right? It means that there's an infinite number of Joels out there doing an infinite number. Wild. Yeah. I it's mean, a wild concept. Yeah. It, you look at fractal, from, like mathematical fractals. Absolutely. Right? Have you seen yeah. those where like yes. you, you zoom in and you zoom in, you zoom in, you zoom in, and it's basically the same image with the same branches forever, mm-hmm. right? And it just goes, you're like, okay, uh, you know, respect the math. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to your Stand podcast name, and like respect yeah. this, because if you don't, um, that goes back to, I've got to, I can't say I I know, but I can't say that I do know everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm in a position where I've, like, because you're asking me really respectful questions, like, well, yeah, but what do you think about this? Or what do you, you think uh, and, uh, a Muslim's praying to Allah? Is he praying to the same entity or whatever? I'm like, no, but that's okay. It's like, but there is this, Christ's spirit in everybody is, is how I see it, right? This level but I do feeling. I, and I'm doing that by faith, but also some of that is measurable 
data from my life lived. Yeah. Experiences I've had, not just intellectual, like digging into some words on pages mm-hmm. and trying to argue through it. Like, no, I, this is what I think because of some spiritual intuition I have. That's different. And so going back to like even like the the slit test, I guess. The double slit test. The double yeah. slit test. One of the cornerstones of quantum mechanics. One of, you know, one of the science. cornerstones and just being like, okay, what's the difference here? Why did this have a different outcome than all of our other tests? And they, you know, what was their, in, their intuition immediately said the only thing that was different was there weren't people here to observe it. Not even necessarily people, just an intera- a material interaction. Or a, an expected outcome. Mm-hmm. Or a, because you're observing it as, I don't know. You know more about that than I do, but it's so fascinating because it's like at the center of all of that is people. Complexity and order, and that's why I'm sympathetic to the idea of intelligent design. Right. And a lot of people on my side of things would just say, well, religion religion asks some very profound, deep questions that as passionate as I am about science, science cannot answer. Right. And a lot of people on my side of things don't, don't even entertain that idea. I can't answer why everything else I've ever learned about or interacted with has order was made by something else. What's more ordered than the universe. Right. I, I can't answer that question. I, I, I just, right. I just say I can, I'm honest about it. And I think, I think more people should be, I, I'm very sympathetic to the idea of intelligent design. It's probably out outside of, you know, just accepting that, Everything came from nothing, which is right, hard, right? right? Intelligent. I'm sympathetic to that idea. Yeah. I think that's why I have a, one of the reasons I have a special place in my heart for spirituality and religion. Yeah. So. So it's like you know going back. Like, this might sound like a really simple elementary example. Uh, so if you're out there and you're into quantum and you're really really smart, forgive me. But <laughs> I heard somebody say this one time. It's like, like just statistically. The things that have to be right for yeah. life to be on, like fine. to exist on Earth, fine statistically, yeah. the fine tuning, yeah. and you've heard of all of this stuff. Yeah. But statistically, it's the same statistics as a tor- tornado going through a junkyard and assembling a Corvette that ru- runs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like all the raw materials there, and chaos came, and it just created this thing that we yeah. call a Corvette or a, just a working car. You know, like it's just a bunch of parts, but it, but the storm, the chaos created that. It's a serious question. Yeah, it's a serious question. And so for me, it's like, I don't dwell on that a lot. I don't think about it a lot. I just, yeah. I think it is, it's, it's hard for me to think of, of um, this coming out of chaos when it's like, there's fingerprints everywhere. Like yeah. just like think mathematically, mathematical sequences like the Fibonacci, uh, you know, which is purely abstract. There, there's no proof that it's real, but it's it's, it's present in things like how flowers right. flowers are built and right. that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I was going to mention. Um, I will just retort on that before we segment yep. or seg- segue to a different topic. The physicists would say, "Well, there's two possible answers for the um, something coming or everything coming out of nothing. The first one is if there's an infinite number of universes and there's an infinite amount of time." Just like if you shuffle a deck enough of cards, you'll eventually run into the same sequence again. The idea being that if the sure. universe is infinitely large and there's an infinite amount of time, this, which seems completely fine-tuned and, and probabilistically very unlikely, is one of many combinations. And as you play it out over time, you smear it across time in multiple universes or infinite universes, you get this. That's one answer. And then the other one is that the universe itself, without, without being a multiverse, 
uh, is also large enough to where there's one planet <laughs> sure. host, hospitable to life. Right. Um, uh, you know, the, this outcome would occur. That's a profound question. I want to wrap things up here. Yep. Um, we like to talk towards the end of our show about the nonprofit that we started called See Good to Be Good. I love I loved getting people like yourself who've A, been professionally successful and more importantly, uh, personally, uh, are giving back to their community. That's, that's your job. Actually, there's no distinction there. Right. Your personal. My life is just like looking for opportunities to give. Yeah. Talk about that. How can people contribute to your mission to worship fully? Uh, what, what do you bring to the table and how do you attribute um, your personal beliefs, your mm-hmm. spiritual convictions and all that into a responsibility to help other people? Can you comment on that? Yeah. So uh, Jesus was uh, described as the son of God. And then uh, through faith in him, we're invited. It says in John, it says, all who believed in him and received him, he gave the right to become sons of God. Not born of a husband's will or the will of a man, but born of God. Direct like literally born of him. You're actually yeah. offspring. Yeah. So there's you mentioned this several times throughout the podcast, the word responsibility. A son of God has responsibility. Sons of God have responsibility. Uh, that's daughters and sons. You right. know, it's, it's synonymous. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a class of being. It's not... Gender, you know, yeah, it's not gender really. Gender it trans- race, it's right. That. It transcends all of it, and so there's responsibility there. And um, you know, you read through scripture. It's like I came to do this. I came to do this. I came to do this. A lot of that stuff's justice stuff. It's like healing things, healing broken things, broken systems, not just people. You know, like okay, you look in. There's a there's a there's a problem in the way governments run. Go make it better. You know, if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. But look for the synchronicities. Make sure it's your thing. And don't it, just stop at criticism. Don't stop at criticism. In fact, don't even start with criticism. Yeah. Because honest, like, cause you can go serve your uh, ideological opponent. That's a wild thought. You can actually go serve them and make things better just by you being you and learning who that person is. Yeah. They can be a completely ideological uh, opponent. Adversary. Or, Adversary. Yeah. 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 And it, you can just go serve them. So as being as like, I believe I'm a son of God in, in Christ, you're a son. And so there's a responsibility there. So what I'm, what my main goal is to, is to wake people up to that, like that identity, we call it identity work, you know, like who am I? And with that identity comes responsibility and, but also a really cool set of tools that I believe are accessible for everybody on the planet. And because uh, not everybody has 30 years to meditate. <laughs> Is it amazing that Buddhists can do that? Yeah. And sit on a pole and meditate? Yeah. And not eat for a year or two? Yeah. Because they don't, and, and they learn how to get their sustenance through air. It's totally like supernatural stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but not everybody has 30 years to do that. But there's so many things that are, comp- that are absolutely 100% accessible through Christ. Like, you want to grow in something? You want to do something that's, like, outside the norm? You want to do it and it's physical? You want to be a farmer? Be a farmer. He'll teach you how to do agriculture. Mm -hmm. But you want to do some things that are supernatural, too? He can teach you that. So I love being a coach for people. And so with my ministry, I just, like, if somebody's hungry, they want to learn about new things, who they are, their identity, doing new things. I love talking about that stuff. And then 
then my music's geared towards that. Like I really feel like lyrically what I try to do is give them a path that uh, helps them just dwell on these things. Mm -hmm. And then they'll just stumble into things like, it's wild. I started listening to your music and then I just kind of stumbled into these things. Yeah, because you're you're rehearsing that in your head. Mm. And so the same like you called it, you said you brought up the book The Secret, like the idea of just bringing things to yourself. It's a spiritual law. What you think about, you become. It's what you argu- stare into, you become. It's arguably a physical law. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's arguably a physical law too. Yeah, but there's this band um oh uh, gosh, out of California, forget it. Their, their name, it'll come, Dawes. And they said, I'm staring into the abyss, and it was staring right back. Yeah. You know, it's like there's things that you can, <laughs> you stare into, and you start becoming yeah. those things. So I, I, that's why I like teaching people how to stare into God's character and his nature, because you start, you start changing. Yeah. You start uh, not thinking about the same things. You're like, you're talking about, like, just, you know, jumping into political arguments. It's like, yeah. Why am I not? I don't, I'm not even concerned by that anymore. Yeah, I'm not concerned about getting engaged in that stuff because what happens is it shifts my emotions, shifts my thoughts, shifts my nature, my character. Jump into and then I'm just wanting to be posture. right. Yeah, yeah, I just want to be right, and everybody else is wrong. As opposed to learning how to engage with every person that comes in my path in a way that, like, okay, not everybody that you engage is going to become a part of your life. It might just be a you know moment in time. It's a waitress at a restaurant, or it's a t- bank teller, or it's a checkout lane at the grocery. Yeah. Uh, but some people do. But if you treat everybody like that, like the gold <laughs> that they are, the Rembrandt, mm. you're like, and you see it. Not you're not making it up. You're yeah. learning how to retrain your eyes to see the magic. Yeah. You don't have time to ask them if they're a Democrat or Republican. You don't care. You're just standing in awe of their their personal value and their worth through yeah. what you believe as yeah. a direct extension. Of That's right. God. You start slowing down. Yeah. You start seeing your thoughts. You stop judging. Yeah. You get into a posture of, I'm really wanting to take on the nature of love. How do I, I cause I can't make myself do that. Yeah. That's where I feel like that is a supernatural process that requires something from the <laughs> other realm, Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to aid you in that. Cause you're like, I, I, I want to, but I don't know how. You know, it's funny if you ask me if I have an opinion on abortion and Trump and uh, the military, all these things. I have very passionate views on a lot of those things, and I enjoy discussing them. But you know what's more important to me? I want every person who interacts with me to walk away and say, man, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that guy had to say, but he listened to me. He tried to understand why I think, uh, why I believe a certain way, and he tried to put himself in his shoes. And as passionate as I am and as interested as I am as engaging people in these things, the second I can sense hostility or anger, I switch the subject. Like you said, let's talk about the baseball game yesterday yeah. or something. That's very important to me. Cur- uh, if, real quick, Kirby, yeah. Kirby Delanerall, one of the guys I follow, uh, he's in Sri Lanka. He's just amazing. He's like, you want to show somebody you love them? I think the greatest way you can love anybody is listen. Oh, yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm just... Saying yes to what everything you just said. You mentioned the comment about, I stared into the abyss and it stared back at me. <laughs> Remind me of Carl Sagan saying, I'm paraphrasing here, some, something along the lines, we are all made of stardust. All the heavy elements that were formed through nuclear f- fusion in the core of a star and then sent out through the universe in a supernova explosion, carbon, um, iron, all the magnesium, all the light. things. That, literally, light, right? Everything that we're made of. We're made from stardust, and he, he he said he couldn't help but wonder if that was the universe's way of creating something to look back at itself. 
<laughs> that reminded me of that. Um, Which it begs the question: Did he believe it had consciousness? Because well, if you know what you I go. mean, yeah, yeah. Um, two things I want to ask you before we wrap up here: Why are you successful? Oh gosh, it's such a. Everybody defines success differently, and I'm no different than anybody else. Where I'm always kind of like, uh, the grass is always greener a little further ahead, and you're you know where you get can get caught in the trap of. Uh, I know I've met some goals, but now I've got new goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like never really resting and just sitting in the oh, seeking. Yeah, just the seeking the next thing, but resting in the gratitude of the moment. Yeah. So it's just you know that I'm trying to do that. I feel like success for me is just being able to sit still and uh, reflect and just being grateful. Contentedness. You know, because I mean, even going through that surgery, you know, a lot of people don't get that experience, which is a gift because you're then you're like come back. You're like health is a gift. And life threatening surgery too, right? Yeah. Well, I would say I was it was low risk, even though it was open heart surgery and. I was on bypass and they had my heart outside of my body and they were, you know wow. what I mean? They literally so, extracted your heart yeah, and repaired it. They're, they're repairing it somewhere else while I'm kept alive by artificially m- machines. Right. So, but that's a gift, you know, being able to look back and be like, wow, one, we live in a century. Yeah. Well, that's where that's a even possibility. Uh, I live in a city that has amazing medical professionals. Let's give a plug to Jewish Hospital. Jewish Hospital, that's right. And thank all those people. I know. Uh, Also, you know, the just looking and saying because a lot of people, even though it's 2022, don't have access to that. Right. Majority of the planet. A lot of the planet does not have access to that. I so you know, people are like, "Have you won the lottery?" I've heard somebody say, yeah, I live in the United States. Absolutely. (laughs) I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. um, The freedoms that we have, the freedom to disagree. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's huge. Um, But as far as you said, success, it's just such a strange thought. And I used to think about success when it came to like money or uh, home, family. I definitely think family. Relate, yeah. The relationships you have make you richer and successful. At the end of the day, you're a success if you're authentic. You know, are you the are you the real you? Are you the real you, or do you have a bunch of dissonance going on? Because your real values, you know them in, yeah. inside. Your personal definition are, of success. Are you really that thing, or are you an actor on the stage? Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's been a lot of part of my life where I was an actor. And there's times I still slip into being an actor where I'm like, I'm just pretending. Or are you chasing (laughs) someone else's definition of success? Sure, exactly. Or even chasing my own, which is not accurate many times. Uh, Because it's like I need to redefine that and go back to the basics, which is um, I believe there's more. I believe that more is defined by love. And am I being transformed into that? Because I can't make myself do that. I can't will myself uh, with all the how-to and self-help and all that. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I believe it's uh, there's a internal surrender that takes place, and there's this other. There's this thing outside of you that comes in and starts doing it. The God-shaped hole, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Final question. Why are you happy? Why am I happy? Yeah. How did how did you become happy? Why are you happy? 
Oh gosh, and that's elusive too, man. Yeah. It's so elusive because it depends on what it goes back to your definition of success. And so, if you don't feel successful, you're probably not happy. And maybe your your definition is wrapped up in some things that are very fleeting: possessions, money, career, uh, education, all great things, but very temporal. When you if you if you believe like I do, which is I believe that there's something other, that other is love, and I have to surrender to it so it can change me, um, you're already successful. Success looks like the surrender. It doesn't look like you achieving some external goal. Yeah. And so I think even God would say you're successful just because you said you surrendered. I don't think we were meant to. Um be independent just going after our own destinies so to speak and naming that destiny saying what it is and achieving it on our own and then patting ourselves on the back yeah um like you look at the people that have changed the world um there's other people around them there's surrender there's sacrifice there's teamwork there's no one does it Context. on their own yeah. no one does it on their own it's a it's a tough question. I wish I'd known that before I came on because I probably would have sat and meditated on that for a couple of hours and just been, what is happiness? What is success? Um, there's a reason why yeah. I, didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you those. You know why? There's a, there's a term. It's called ambush journalism. <laughs> yeah. Well, it works because the the truth comes out pretty quick, even if it if you yeah. even if you stumble across your words. Yeah, I would have hoped for the style of this conversation that an ambush. Uh, version of those questions would yield a more compelling and interesting answer than some, <laughs> something something rehearsed or calculated. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, for folks that want to get involved, maybe they don't have much money. Maybe they're li- living paycheck to paycheck. Can they contribute their time? Are there any, any other? You know, I, I just like serving people. So people like that just want to grow, come. Yeah, and we'll just figure yeah, it out. Yeah, like just email me, get on the website, fill out, a, fill out my either my homepage deal or one of the other pages that just gives me your email and you can reach out with a question and say, here's where I'm at. Um, I'd love to connect Let's have a and see where it goes. Yeah. Perfect. So that's worshipfully.com. Dot org. Excuse me. Dot org. Of course. Um, worshipfully. Word, the word worship and then F-U-L-L-Y. Yep. Dot O-R-G. That's a very creative name, by the way. Uh, maybe on a future podcast we could talk about how you came up with that. And Yeah, for sure. Um, that'd be interesting. Uh, thank you for being here, Joel Gertis, with worshipfully.org. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you to the listeners and our sponsors for making this podcast successful. Uh, we'll see you real soon on a future episode of the Respect the Math podcast. And one more thing, if you would like to be a guest on our show or you would like help creating and or distributing your own podcast, please contact me for more information. I'd love to have a conversation. Thanks, Joe. Joel. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah.